This is Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Hi, and welcome to another episode. I'm Sensei Michelle. I'm Sensei Jackie. And I'm Landon. And I am so excited because we have another interview show today, and don't we love them? We do, Sensei. Our interview guest today is a man I have known my entire adult life because he's my brother-in-law, Myron Miles. And didn't you tell me that way back when you met, Myron had the distinction of being the youngest chief engineer and what was at that time, the largest dredge working? Really? That's that's really, really interesting. Agreed. And we haven't even started talking about his life in the military. So I think we should get to that. I'm saying, I think the first thing we need to do is say, hi, Myron. Thanks for doing this. And thank you for your service to our country. Oh, you're very welcome. All right. You ready to get us started, Sensei Jackie? I sure am. My question to you, Myron, is twofold. What age were you when you decided to join the armed forces and what made you pick the Air Force? Well, I was 18. I'd already taken my draft physical. And at that time in 65, we had draft numbers. And it was just a matter of time after I passed my physical that you were going to be drafted or you knew you were going in the military. I had two uncles in the Navy. I had one uncle that had served in World War II. All three served in World War II. The two were in the Navy, one was in the Army. They said, go Army, go Navy. I went Air Force. <laughs> and because I thought I could get an education also. And did you? The Air Force provided good schooling. Ah. Yes, I did. I went eight months to a tech school in Illinois for ground power, which was diversified working on air conditioning, generator sets, light plants, small gas turbines. I just want to drop back real quick and say, how 18 is it that they told you to go one way and you went another way? Isn't that perfect (laughs) for somebody who's a a teenager? It is. And it kind of sets a pattern for the rest of your life then. (laughs) It it very well did. (laughs) And in the military then, I got to travel. I was in Texas, Illinois, Montana, Guam, California. Wow. Wow. And that started my career wanting to see the world. And and we'll be getting to that later in the show, uh, because I have heard about your amazing RV from Sensei Michelle and your amazing travels. But I am curious uh, where you did go to boot camp. I did go to San Antonio, Texas. Okay, oh, oh, Texas. Well, I, I, bet oh. was, I bet that was hot. <laughs> and, that must and have been such a change from growing up in the cold weather to the heat of San Antonio. It was quite a change, but the hay fields of Minnesota are quite hot in the summer. Oh. I was in Texas in October. Ooh, nice timing here to be in Texas. So, wasn't quite so hot. And what's your most vivid memory from, from your training? In boot camp? Well, I think the the most vivid is learning to do what your drill instructor follow his orders, because if you do that, you're fine in the military. And all military personnel have to, and you get along great in the military. So what you're saying is it took some adjustment to get used to people barking orders at you? Yeah, that's... (laughs) (laughs) 
I can I could agree with that one. I can see how that is. It, it's right. a completely different change of thought from being a young teenager to being in the military. Once you understand that, I had a great time in the military. <laughs> how long were you? How long did you serve? Four years. Now I heard him say some of the places. Like, didn't you say Missouri? No, I said Illinois, Montana. Illinois. Um, so you must have been at Air Force bases. All SAC bases, yes. Got it. Oh, you were in SAC. So you were part of the elite if well, you were in SAC, Strategic Air Command. Okay, thank you for saying what was SAC. I was like, somebody tell me what we're talking about here. Did you know that um, Sensei Jackie's father was in the military? So she knows all those things. Yeah, after I went out from tech school, I went to a SAC base and stayed with the Strategic Air Command the whole time. Got it. Which was your favorite place to be stationed? Each one had its own unique area. Uh, Montana was kind of like being home, prairie, a lot of snow. Guam was beautiful. No women, but beautiful. (laughs) Uh, And California was exciting because you could go to national parks. There was lots of things to do in California. What part of California were you in? Uh, right in the, near the Modesto. Oh, yeah. Training base for the tanker pilots. What did you do uh, when you were in the military? If it was painted orange and yellow, we worked on it. <laughs> it was equipment oh. to start and service the aircraft. Oh, okay. so you... Generators, um, gas turbines, air conditioning, uh, light plants. Heaters in Montana. Explain what it means if it was painted orange and yellow, because I don't. Do you know what that means? I don't. I don't know what that means. No, but it it's painted yellow so that if it's on a flight line, they can see it. So it's equipment that's on the flight line. Got it. And and anything that would support the aircraft. What kind of aircraft did they fly there? B fifty twos. Bombers. Wow. And then at Castle, that was the KC one thirty five. Yeah. So when you were in Guam, was that also still part of when we were in Vietnam? Yes. So was that like very serious? We flew a lot of missions out of Guam. Oh, I didn't know that. Every day. Wow. And twice a day, normally. Half of the planes went in the morning, half went in the evening. Hmm. Did you have long working days then at that time? 13 hours a day. Five days a week or six? Seven. Seven? Oh, I was going to say seven. I I didn't realize that. I was going to open that can of worms. Now, normally in my career field, I worked in the heavy maintenance shop. And other than Guam, we worked uh, five days a week. Six if we were behind. But, But at that time, Guam was so important to the United States as part of the whole Vietnam world. Were you flying a lot of personnel from the States to Vietnam with a stop in Guam? Two whole wings went. The wing from Glasgow Air Force Base went, and the wing from uh, Homestead went. Wow. Plus, there was bombers already stationed there. 
Wow. So we took our bombers, Homestead took their bombers, and the bombers that were there. And, and then more came in. Are there people that you met in the military that you're still in touch with today? The last ones was probably 10 years ago that when I contacted him, he was from Atlanta, Georgia. Before that, we did. I've kind of lost touch in the last 10, 15 years. But before that, I did, yes. That's nice. I had friends in Pennsylvania, Nebraska, Georgia. Uh, they were from all over. Oh, wow. Good friends. That's really Very interesting. Nice. Yeah. At that time, in that era in Guam, were there, were, you said there were no women in Guam, but th- were there women in the military at that time or not Not really? Not really. Not very many. Uh, none in, like, on the flight line or anything like that. Very, very interesting. Okay. Do you have any more military things you want to share with me right this minute before I move on to how the adjustment was coming home? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, each and every place we were at, we had, you know, like I said, we had fun. We actually in Montana went rattlesnake hunting, stupid. Wow. Guam had beautiful beaches. California had wonderful scenery. So, yes, I've seen lots of nice stuff in the military. Very curious to know how many states you visited. While in the military or in his whole life? In your whole life. Oh, my god! You've done a lot of travels, I've heard. How many states? I've never been in Maine. Really? Now, that's, that's an interesting one. I have not been in. Is Maine? That's Maine. really cool. Huh. We that's lived funny. in Hawaii. We visited Alaska. After I got out of the military, I drove a truck for a while. And I was in about 40 states then. And then in our camping experiences... We made up the rest. So when you came back from the military, you had to adjust to civilian life. And how did you do that? And what kind of work did you do that helped you adjust? Well, when I got out of the military, I came back near our home where I was born. Went to work in a car garage as a mechanic that lasted till spring. <laughs> and then I drove a truck for two years, then I went into dredging. I was in dredging for 42 years. Oh, you only drove the truck for two years. I didn't know that. I, I was thinking right. you did that for longer. Did you find that work kind of boring or what? No, I loved it. Still do, because I could see different things, travel to different states. I loved it. There's things to see wherever you go, and there's beautiful things in the in the world and the U.S. There's a lot of beauty out there. That we all agree, right? Mm-hmm. What I love hearing is your positive attitude towards everything that you have done and succeeded in, and that it just, each thing brings something better from it. So it's it's a pleasure to hear that. And I was well, thinking I think a lot of it started out with a good education in the military. The schooling was great. And I had I'd liked my field, so I excelled in it. And it went from there. And then my excitement for travel really made it happen, didn't it? Yeah. 
So for sure, the education you got in the military, can we say bolstered your ability to work when you got home? And so that's something that you could pass on to people who are going in the military, concentrate on getting a skill that, that transfers to the real world, right? Yeah, well, then yes. But I think what happened, some of the things that's happening now is everything is becoming so specialized. Mm-hmm. My field was a lot broader. Because mm-hmm. I got to work on air compressors. I got to work on generators engines, gas turbines, light plants with generators, hydraulic bomb hoist. And you could take all that into civilian life. The dredging industry had air compressors, air conditioners, diesel engines, generators, everything I had in the military folded right over. Even when I did my own maintenance on my truck, it all came from the military. (laughs) Although now that all the vehicles are so computerized, it does get weird, doesn't it? Well, not yet. You don't do that anymore. So now I'm all the way up to your life as the chief engineer on the dredge, okay? Okay. And so you're in a boss position. Now go back and, and look at your military life and you're following orders. But then as the chief engineer, you're giving orders. Can you say that the things that you learned in the military were helpful in that, that that was a really natural thing for you? Or how do you equate that? Or you never really thought about it before, and I'm vexing your brain. Yeah, I think it did, because everything is described to you in the military as positive. This is the way it's going to be. And basically, come hell or high water, that's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, it does fold over into, but I've always been quite hard-headed. Yeah, yeah I'll <laughs> give you that. You have always been quite hard-headed. I would not want to be a fly on the wall when both of you are being hard-headed at the same time in that household. <laughs> <laughs> but did you find when you were the boss on the dredge that it came naturally to you then to make those decisions and keep the people going? Well, it it came natural to me. I'm just thinking that perhaps some of our listeners don't know what a dredge is or what it does. Oh, that's a good point. So would you tell them what is a dredge and what does it do? A dredge is a floating piece of equipment that digs up channels for ships to come in. There's an auger on the end. It digs the material. We have pumps, then the pump it through the piece of machinery out to the land. So we actually make and deepen channels for ships is the main purpose. But in the Middle East, we built land. We built islands. We did offshore loading platforms. Uh, Argentina, we made a, a shortcut from Buenos Aires to Paraguay. Oh, so you went from air to sea. That's true. I went from here to see. That's so you followed that's <laughs> your advice. Yeah. yeah, you did follow your uncle's advice. <laughs> I did, yes. That's awesome. Yeah, and the, the countries that I've worked in was St. Croix, Curacao, Argentina, South Africa, Mexico, uh, and then Bahrain, Qatar, Egypt, Iraq. 
of all the places you worked as the engineer, do you have a favorite? I think probably Argentina. Oh. It was a wonderful country, wonderful food, wonderful people, clean as a whistle. The city was at Buenos Aires. It was perfectly clean. The Middle East, in the wintertime, it's great. It's different. You got to like sand. (laughs) (laughs) It's a nice place also. Interesting Uh, to me. South Africa was pretty nice. Interesting. We did a safari in Kenya. and We did a... Uh, trip to Jordan and to Egypt. And we did five days coming up the Nile on a riverboat. Wow. That we did because I was working in the Middle East. Those were your vacations at the time. That was things you and my sister did. Right. Yeah, I, I remember. Okay. Our last question of the day takes us back to your military life because we always like to finish on a fun note. Do you have okay. a funny military story for us? Not, not really, have... other than drinking and chasing the rattlesnakes, which we didn't find. <laughs> God, uh, no, it was it was pretty good. One of the things I I did make maintenance man of the month. All right, was, really? Uh, that was pretty good. That's so cool. Yeah. What did they give you? I got a Ronson lighter. <laughs> oh, that is so funny. Talk they about a sign of the times. Like they didn't give you a rattlesnake? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so was there like a little ceremony or they just said, you know. Each month they had a meeting of all the personnel. Everybody had to go. Actually, it's a security meeting. And it was awarded during that meeting. That oh. was so cool. What rank were you, Myron? Uh, Airman First Class, which is an E3. Nice. And then they changed it to Buck Sergeant. I knew one guy that made E4 under four. Wow. Right during the end of at 69. Wow. Rank become a little easier to get. Yeah. They always say that. it's true though it's true it it was true and when did you retire overall from the military or from his major from from judging from judging is that a word that's a word about five years ago i retired very nice very nice well thank you so much myron i'm very glad that we finally met i've been hearing about uh you and your wife for years so very glad that we were finally able to talk and appreciate you coming on. Well, I had a good time and I hope to do it again. Awesome. Great. We will have so many more questions for different parts of your life. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite exciting, I think. I don't think I would have changed much. That's, that's a good thing to know. Oh, yeah. I had an opportunity to go and get an AP license. When I got out of the military because of my work in the military, it was in Oklahoma. Didn't do that. And I could have got a 120-acre homestead in Alaska and didn't do that. But then I wouldn't be where I'm at right now, would I? Exactly. exactly. You are right. And that's something we talk about a lot on this show. It's really about how you look at it, even though that can get tricky. 
And if you want to come on and share your story with us, reach out to us. I don't know if you can tell, but we've been doing a whole series about the military and and different people that we know that serve. So if you have any stories or want to come on the show, reach out. You can contact us all over the web at wildcatdojo.com. That's our website. Send us an email at dojoconversations at aol.com. And we are on Instagram at Wildcat Dojo Conversations. And there you'll see a really awesome picture for this episode. Yes, you will. That was good. And of course, we have to thank our sponsor. Honor Honor Athletics, Athletics, of course. course. I'm going to go in a backwards way and say, when you reach out to Cynthia at Honor Athletics, please mention us, Wildcat Dojo, to get your 10% discount. And scroll down, see the show notes, and click the link. And you can order anything there. Or if you like the old-fashioned way on the web, funny that that's old-fashioned now, Mm -hmm. go to honor-athletics.com. Or if you want to be even more (laughs) old-fashioned, you can take out your landline (laughs) or yourself and call 770-945-5150. Thanks for doing business with Cynthia. Yes, and thanks, Cynthia, for supporting us. All right, Mr. Myron, we're going to start our goodbye. Say goodbye for me. All right. Goodbye. Bye, everybody. See you next week. Bye, everybody. See you next time. And on that note, I am signing us out. Thanks for being here. Hope you join us again next week on Wildcat Dojo Conversations.